strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, if you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, you can do it right now. It's very simple to do on any device that you have. Never miss a minute of the show. The Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you this week by your Valley Chevy dealers. Um, an ABC News poll, almost 90% of America, 86% of Americans do not feel that Joe Biden is in good enough shape to serve another term as president. It was carried out on Saturday after a special counsel report. They began to survey the American people. Now, to be to be clear, there's no way that this one report changed 90% of the country, 86% of the country's mind. This is something that's been concerning to many people. And if you're, if you're just checking out the show for the first time, you're not a regular listener. This is not something that I've really talked about at all uh, leading up to this report from the DOJ. I didn't like it when it happened to Trump, and it wasn't a report from the DOJ. It was the media that was doing it. Um, when Trump was in office, and this is not a defense of Donald Trump. I, I get these emails from people as if somehow I'm an apologist for the Trump administration. I certainly am not. I've had my criticisms of every administration. My criticism here is of what we do for political reasons that are – not good for the country. So when Trump was in office, there was a narrative about the 25th Amendment. To be clear, what happens in this part of the 25th Amendment gives powers to the cabinet to remove the powers of the president if, God forbid, a president is incapacitated and cannot carry on the job. And so we'd have a, a, a way of that power is handed down. If a president dies in office, the power of the presidency goes to the vice president. From the vice president, it goes to the Speaker of the House and then on down the line. They had to do this, obviously, so that we had a constitutional way to make sure that the country always had a leader. When the president goes in for surgery, when the president is incapacitated, they temporarily give power over to the vice president of the United States. Um, all of these things matter. All of these things are important. But what would happen if a president, God forbid, if a president was incapacitated, Capacitated for a length of time, was not able to relinquish the power of the presidency, him or herself, but was incapacitated. That's what this amendment did, was give the power to the government to remove presidential powers. And then they give that power over to the vice president. If within a couple of weeks the president is able to re go back into power, the president can lobby the courts, can go to the Supreme Court, and can then get the power restored to them. Um, and that's the way it works. Uh, it goes to the Congress. And that's the way it works. And – when you say what we want to do is get rid of a president so badly, we're willing to twist the meaning of something. Republicans have done it as well. There's no doubt about it. In this case, what they did was try to twist this around. And so when the narrative caught on, you had uh, Morning Joe, Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski and um, – uh, Rachel Maddow and others that would bring on mental health experts, so to speak. These mental health experts also had a political agenda because the, the protocol within the industry, whether it's medicine or it's mental health and it's, it's mental health experts, is you don't ever render, you don't render an opinion on somebody you haven't examined. And so these people did, and they said President Trump isn't able to do this, and he shouldn't do that, and he shouldn't be near the nuclear codes, and he's a danger, and our enemies use that information. 
So I've stayed away from all of the criticisms and all of the jokes and everything else about Biden on on this show. I I didn't do any of it. We didn't go down any of those roads. I didn't play a lot of the sound of him bumbling and stumbling over his words and being not being able to. But the world sees it. Now you get a DOJ report that says that he is is an an old, well-intentioned old man with a bad memory or whatever the quote was. And you look at that and you think, what is the world saying? The world looks to the U.S. The Western world looks to the U.S. as a superpower. You've got these two sides. These two again, the battle lines are being drawn, and I don't mean I mean that metaphorically, of course. I don't believe there's going to be a war. But you've got the Chinese, you've got the Russians, you've got the North Koreans, you've got the Iranians. You've got this powerful group of nations together. They look to the Chinese. They look to the Chinese for the economy. They look to the Chinese for the military. That's what they're looking at. And in the Western world, when you've got the Europeans, you've got the Israelis, you've got our nations on our side, the allied forces, as we've called them, they look to the U.S., not solely, but they certainly look to the U.S. They look at our form of government. They look at our leaders. They watch our elections. They pay very close attention to what's happening. What is the appearance of leadership in America right now? Do your enemies not strike when you're weak? And I don't necessarily mean a war. I'm saying with what's going on in the world, 86% of Americans don't believe that this president is fit for a second term. So what does that say about our choices as voters? Um, uh, The poll also found that 73%, almost three quarters of Democrats think Biden is too old to serve and a whopping 91%, 91% of independents feel the same way. America is speaking out and what's happening is people aren't listening. It is sad to see. I will tell you that I am long before I am a Republican. I'm an American. I I want my country strong. I want my country safe. I want my country peaceful. I want it moving ahead and functioning. I want to be proud of my country. That doesn't mean I'm happy with the decision makers. you You know where I stand politically. But to see the American president falter in this way. It's not, it doesn't make me happy. I'm not happy to see this. It's heartbreaking to watch. And I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. You look what happened to Ronald Reagan late in his life, long after his presidency, and he was outside of the public view and he was able to gracefully um, end his life. His life was ended with him at peace. And we saw the videos of the Ronald Reagan we remembered. From a Republican point of view, I want you to think about that. He is held in such high esteem in the Republican Party and known as the great communicator. Imagine had this happened to him during his presidency. And I'm not saying that this is exactly what's happening to President Biden. But if you watched him and watched him diminish during his presidency, how sad it would be for the people that love that presidency. He was able to do this in privacy where you should. I, I used um, Bruce Willis as an example because it's not the same. It's not politics. But as a human being, here is somebody remember as an action star and a funny actor and a, just a quick wit and really good at his job. And everybody loved his movies. And at least I did. I loved his movies. And he is able to now gracefully in silence surrounded by his family as he diminishes 
is doing that without being in the public view. What we are watching, just from a human perspective, forget the political implications and the worldwide implications, is we are seeing things happen that we shouldn't have to see, that that it, it's sad that this is happening. And what really bothers me more than anything else is that he continues, at least it looks like now, it is now February 12th. We are almost in the middle of February. We've got an election in just a few months. And you've got a president who is still going to be the nominee for his party. It is it is a terrible thing to witness. Um, the implications for America, and unfortunately, you have to look at those things, is that the it's not just about America, our power and our place in the world and what we do and what we mean to the world. This is not a joke to me. You know, I've got a I've got a twisted sense of humor. I laugh at everything. But when it comes down to it with this, it's not a joke. You've got the president of the United States, the most powerful office on the planet, and his own Justice Department is questioning his ability. Ninety one percent of independent voters. That's how do you get to 91 percent of anything in the political climate we have? Ninety one percent of independents in this country believe he is unfit for another term. And yet he continues to be the guy that they're pushing out there. I I think it's disgraceful. It's bad for America. It's sad for the Biden family. Um, I don't think it's something that we should continue to watch. But the political circles, you watch how things are going. They hate Um, The former president, they hate Donald Trump. They don't want to see him in office and what they are willing to do to make sure that he isn't in there, even if it means propping up and running a person that 91 percent of the country doesn't think is fit. It's a sad state. It just is a sad state to me. Coming up in a moment. um, if you bet against the Chiefs, you made the wrong move. The, we're going to talk about the implications of the Super Bowl, what a big weekend it was, and the things that surrounded it. All that's coming up here in just a moment. This is the uh, multi-generational portion of the show. Um, I need your opinion. You are a huge sports fan. True. By the way, you and I correctly said, do not pick against Patrick Mahomes. I got that right. I did too. I said, I can't bet against Patrick Mahomes. Can't do it. Other people, we're not going to name names, Jessica, picked the 49ers, but we were on the money. Um, but I need your opinion on something. Halftime show. I loved it. Oof. That's the difference in our generations. I didn't hate it, but I thought, eh. Well, you didn't really listen to Usher's music, probably. Yes, you- I did. Of course I did. So you you didn't like it? No, I thought it was it was boring. It was it was boring. Oh my gosh, it was soft music. It wasn't it wasn't a rock and roll except for the last song that everybody knew. Every every well, middle-aged woman in the place was dancing like they were in the club when they were 20. That was what that song was for, but the whole show itself, you didn't think it was slow? I mean, I think it started out a little slow, sure. 
but I really loved it. I love Usher. I mean, you got to give him props. He sang the whole time. You know, there's a lot of people who don't do that live. He was singing, dancing. He was singing while rollerblading. Okay, I get that. I'm I'm not saying it wasn't um, difficult. I just didn't think it was as entertaining. It was Vegas. I mean, it should have been. Oh, I, I don't know. I thought it lived up to Vegas hype. You really? Yeah. Okay. All of the dancing, the performers. See, that's why these things are opinion. It's all a matter of opinion. I didn't hate it. I was. I've there have been halftime show I didn't like. Okay. I didn't hate it. I just expected. I thought for what we saw on the field, you know, we were expecting this to be Vegas, and I don't know that we got that. Interesting. I don't know. I was having a lot of fun. I was at a bar and everybody was into it. That's so. why you were drinking. That's why you liked it. Oh, please. <laughs> that, see? That explains it all. Oh, my god. <laughs> what did you think of the game? I thought it was a lot of fun. It was I amazing. mean, I love a defensive slugfest. I don't know about I was, you. It was a great but game. But everybody was like, oh, that first half was pretty slow. But I, I was having a blast. All I was really hoping for was overtime. Um, and I, I was having fun with that. Jeff, I, I just want to add something. First of all, I didn't see much of the game because I was in, at L.A. airport. And oh. I was far away from televisions. Okay. And I watched the fourth quarter on my phone in the plane. But there's a story out today, and this just gets me. 49er players are saying they didn't know the rules of overtime. That's an indictment on the coaching if I've and, ever seen well, and on the, I mean, come Because on, the, the rules, I guess, are, they are different than they used to be because of that uh, overtime game between the Patriots and Falcons. Right. And everybody wondered, why did Kyle Shanahan want the ball when they did the coin toss to start right. OT? And even the 49er players saying, we didn't know what the rules were. Could you imagine if the 49ers had scored a touchdown? They probably would have been celebrating. Like they would have been running the locker room saying, game's over. Uh, no. 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 not. Come back. And, and was it, isn't the weird part of that rule, though, that the only time the first possession ends the game is if it's a defensive score? Yes. Yeah, because there's no need for the other team to have, have the, the ball. ball. Right. So... so I looked at that and I, I I I agree with you. But as well coached as that team is, it's kind of an indictment on some of the players too. You got to know the rules and you, the coaching. I would say more so. What did you think of the telecast? I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I was I was I was watching it. Now, to be fair, I was in a room watching it on these huge screens at Talking Stick. So I was, but I thought it was you know from what I could see of it. Why? What's what was your view on it? Well, again, I only saw the fourth quarter. But if they ever come up with a drinking game where you have to take a drink every time Tommy Romo says this is for the Super Bowl, Jim. Yeah, you're gonna have a lot of people passed out on the floor. You know, and you're he a, needs to calm down. You're a professional broadcaster, and I I have the utmost respect for you. But I'm glad you said that because he has gotten so much criticism over this season of how he is broadcasting these games, and I I think a lot of it is justified. Yeah, and at the end, the the game winning play, Nance calls it says jackpot Kansas City. The normal the thing to do is step back, yeah. lay out. Let the crowd take the moment from there. Romo jumped right in immediately and started dissecting the play. <laughs> and I don't know. I'll just say this real quick, too. I don't all blame Tony Romo for this. Who's coaching him? Well, Who's yeah. coaching him? Well, we can talk about it. The NFL. answer is nobody. Right. Well, let's talk about his NFL career. <laughs> well, yeah, there was uh, he got ripped pretty good on social media for saying, uh, explaining what the players were feeling going into a Super Bowl. And people yeah. got on, on social media and said, how do you know? Yeah. Yeah, at the very beginning of the game, when uh, when the uh, 49ers were going to have the ball, um, he talked about how he, uh, Brock Purdy needs to calm down, that he's not going to be able to breathe, or however he was putting this at the beginning of the game. 
And I actually had that thought and it said, how would you know? Right. Well, and it's, I mean, overall, the production was very good. They yeah. got a lot of shots. The player that tore his Achilles, the Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid blow up. Yep. I think from a production standpoint, the telecast was awesome. And hey, we got what we came for. Plenty of Taylor Swift. Yeah, but if I was the guy that was in that show that was supposed to premiere after the Super Bowl, I'd be really mad because yeah. that didn't, didn't get on until 1230 in the morning it, on the East Coast. It didn't. It didn't. You're right. So uh, I appreciate the perspective from the two of you. The Super Bowl, uh, again, lived up. I think it lived up to the hype for the first time in a long time. What a game it was. Congratulations to the Chiefs. And uh, what this shows, I think, is Cardinals with the rebuilding of they're doing. That's the kind of atmosphere and attitude you need to have from what those two teams showed. Coming up in a moment, we are going to shift gears. We're going to go back to the shooting in Texas at a mega church, but it leads me to have a conversation about laws and protecting people. We're going to get to that coming up next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, you can still uh, subscribe to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast. It's very simple to do on any device that you have. Never miss a minute of the show. The Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you this week by your Valley Chevy dealers. Um... There was a shooting in a mega church in, in Texas, and uh, a woman walked in between 30 and 35 years old, walked in and began to shoot. She was then killed by a couple of off-duty police officers that were working security. And it started to make me think there's been a big conversation about firearms and where they can be. We know that college campuses are gun-free zones. Oh, there are a lot of areas we consider to be gun-free zones. The state of New York... Supreme Court has said uh, or the Supreme Court has said that the state of New York can uh, limit where in certain areas where firearms can be taken. And uh, and that may be true. I'm not talking about the constitutionality of it. That's a, I have my opinions on that. But the focus of what I'm talking about here is. We focus on the firearms, and if you believe that you're going to designate something a gun-free zone and it makes it safer, it generally doesn't because if somebody wants to. Um, unfortunately, uh, we've heard of church shootings have happened before. Uh, there was one in, in, uh, that happened in Texas where somebody went and began shooting in a church, and there was nobody there to defend the people. And the, re- the way that person was eventually taken out was by a bystander who happened to be, I believe, an NRA uh, instructor, an NRA certified instructor that took him out also, oddly enough, with the same style of firearm that was used in that church shooting. So I know that, uh, you know, in past days, you know, the churches pass a collection plate. They still do, but many people donate to their church online. It's more simple to have it deducted from their bank accounts, but churches took great precaution to protect because with large amounts of cash on Sunday morning and generally speaking, unarmed people, uh, churches were robbed and, and there were a lot of things that happened. It wasn't necessarily a church shooting, but someone would come in and rob them because they were unarmed. And so churches began to have security protocol and they would have have um, officers that were attending church. Uh, many of them were armed, and and it was a, it's an unfortunate situation to have to protect a congregation, but it's like protecting anything else. And I, I was talking with someone about this when it happened. That um, 
we get shocked because we hear it's a church, but we get shocked when we hear it's a school. We get shocked when we hear these other things. We have to figure out what it is. We don't have any idea what the motivation was. At least I haven't seen it yet. As of yesterday, as of early this morning, there wasn't a motivation that was clear as to why this woman did this. A young child was shot. Um, Other people were injured. This is something that we should be dealing with in a different way. But when you look at how we defend... You have to have people that are capable of violence. It is an ugly thing about humanity, but it is part of humanity. That being peaceful means you are not using your ability to be violent. You've chosen to be peaceful. Being weak is not helping anyone. And I'm not advocating violence. I'm saying that when you have to protect someone, you and it's not just this is not just men. Um, if you want to see someone that is normally peaceful and nurturing and caring, look at a mother protect her children. You look at the lengths that a mother will go uh, up to and including, you know, giving her life away to protect her children. It's an instinct, the ability to protect innocent people. And in this case, you have people just attending a church service that are attacked. Had it not been, I don't care if they have a badge or they don't have a badge on duty, off duty, doesn't matter. If you don't have people that are willing and able to use equal but opposite force, what you get is a situation that could be much, 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 much worse. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Joel Steen talking about this from his church, he's the pastor of this church, saying it could have been a lot worse. I can only imagine if it would have happened during the 11 o'clock service. We were in between services going into the Spanish service. So, you know, if, they're, you know, if there's anything good of it, you know what, they're, they, 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 she didn't get in there and do a whole lot worse damage. So we thank God for that. He's watching over all of us. And that's that's the thing is the the idea that innocent people Kids in schools, we've got to do more about school safety. We have to do more about school security. It is the addition of officers, and other, but it's a comprehensive look at how we look at the way people behave when threats should be taken really, literally. When people make threats, many times they're idle threats, but someone has to be doing something about it. Someone has to be looking. At when I, I, I'm going to venture a guess that when we hear about the mental state of this woman, that there are going to be signs uh, coming out that there was a deterioration. You don't normally, normally you don't see someone who behaves in a rational way that just snaps. The church shooting that happened where uh, – was it in South Carolina, I believe, um, where this young man walked into a Bible study. Uh, uh, it was a young white kid walked into a, a black church and um, and uh, went into a Bible study, and they treated him well, and then he just opened fire. Uh, th- that wasn't a – all of a sudden, he started to – he just did this out of the blue. There were serious issues going on with that young man ahead of time, and those are the things we have to address. This idea of gun-free zones and we're going to do this to make things safer, it doesn't make things safer. The reality is there are people out there that are having big-time m- mental issues that are not um, – that we have to protect – we want to protect them from themselves for as long as they can. But if they're going to cross a line, there has to be people there 
that are going to do something. And this could have been much worse. In a moment, we're going to get back to debt in America. We talked about this earlier. The household debt accumulated by the American people is at such a high level that it's becoming so overwhelming. You're not going to believe the number when you hear it. And I'll get to it coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you spending some time. So I'm going to, I know the suspense is killing you. I just said we're going to talk about household debt, and the number is amazing. $17.5 trillion we have in accumulated debt in this country. The the reason why I bring this up is we talk about the economy. Thank God for the strong jobs market. People are still spending money. The problem is that the job market is slowing. That was the intent of trying to bring inflation under control is to slow down the economy but not have it fall off a cliff. Whether or not we're in a recession, we're going to be in a recession, that's a political argument I don't want to even get involved in. You hear me be very critical of this administration. I'm not a fan of Joe Biden or his political policies. I never have been. Um, I didn't vote for him. I'm not voting for him. But I don't want to see America fail. I am not one of those people that thinks, well, good, because if it fails, if if we have a big recession, then that means they'll vote for somebody else. I've never felt that way. I've been very vocal in that. Uh, Business owners, small business owners that have to navigate the politics of this world in order to survive shouldn't have to do that. It's hard enough to turn a profit. It's hard enough to to put out a good product. It's hard enough to do those things and manage a business without the politics of this affecting your life so much. But it does. This isn't about politics. This is about survival. This is about a strong economy. Arizona has done the right thing. Arizona diversified its economy. It's on Now, there's always things that can be done better. I'm not calling any of it perfect. But if you look at the direction Arizona has gone, when Arizona takes a look at the rest of the country and you look at what's been very successful in the last few years, it's hard to argue with results. You're seeing people flee California and they move to Arizona, Nevada, especially Texas in the Texas area. Now, Texas has some high property taxes. They make their money in other ways, but they don't have a, a, a state sales tax. Um, I'm sorry, a state income tax. Florida, no income tax. Look at the mass exodus of wealthy people from New York heading to Florida. New York is an amazing place. I'll tell you, um, it, it, New Yorkers are New Yorkers, and they will always be a New Yorker. It's kind of like being a Texan. You are, you are or you aren't, and they love that place. For them to leave... Um, and they, I'm sure they want to go back. It is a great place. I love to visit New York. I don't know that I would ever live there, but it's a great place to visit. But when you look at the accumulated debt of the American households, they are going to have to pay that debt back or they're going to default. We have seen auto loan de- delinquencies go through the roof and delinquencies on people paying their credit card debts. Um, when you see those two things start to happen, if the job market falters, I'm not even talking about a big crash. If it falters, if hardworking Americans don't have the ability to get a second job or change jobs or do what's necessary to keep their heads above water, when those options start to fall apart and they begin to default on their debt, we're going to see some serious problems. I say this at the same time the American government finds itself in the same place. We're spending a trillion dollars a year plus just on the interest for the money that we owe. 
when you have the Congressional Budget Office weigh in on this, when you have the head of the Fed, Jerome Powell, weigh in on it, it's something that is critical. Um, Here in Arizona, we are navigating and the entire country is having to navigate new restrictions, new EPA restrictions on appliances. Natural gas is the enemy. And I look at this stuff and I think these are the kinds of um, this is why I'm a small government person. Nobody wants to see, I don't care how conservative you are, no one wants dirty water, nobody wants dirty air, no one wants any of those things. The idea that these things are necessary for survival is just a falsehood. And when you watch these regulations that are going to damage manufacturing, they're going to hurt the job market, it's not just about taxation, it's about regulation, and it's certainly about over-regulation. It is something that we all should be concerned about. This idea that you are either in favor of this kind of thing or you just don't care about the planet is a ridiculous thing to say. Arizona is, if you're new to Arizona, I'm gonna encourage you to do something. Uh, I would take a weekend uh, once a month and go to a different place in Arizona. Go south, go north. It is a beautiful state. You will be blown away about the diversity of this state and how absolutely gorgeous it is. When you drive, everybody goes to Sedona. I think that's a it's, a, it's an amazing place. It is beautiful in Sedona. Take the drive through Sedona, go up to Oak Creek Canyon, and take that drive all the way back up to Flagstaff where it connects with I-17. Go take that drive. It is, an, it is absolutely gorgeous. When my mother was here, we drove all the way up to Flagstaff, showed her Flagstaff, and we drove down, back through the roads, through Sedona, all the way down through Cornville, and all the way down into, uh, all the way down that, those back roads through Wickenburg, and then back into town. It was one of the most gorgeous days I've ever spent, and I've lived in Arizona now for 29 years. My point is, we all want this to be a pristine, beautiful place, and we do it. We do it, and yet the mining industry is thriving here. The Resolution Copper Mine needs to be in full effect. It needs to be opened. It needs to be productive. It needs to be benefiting our economy and the economy of the entire nation, and it can be doing it in a way that doesn't adversely affect the environment. They've proven it. They've proven it, and yet this administration continues to hold up production at the Resolution Copper Mine. The mining industry that's thriving across this state, it's happening right now, and it's still a beautiful place. And yet there's this fight. We want all we want electric vehicles and we want solar panels and we want all of these things, but we don't want any mining and we don't want well the Chinese are doing it. It's a national security risk that they control almost all of it anyway. It, we need to be diversifying what we do here and making sure it's done the right way because we do it better than any nation in the world. And so we should be doing it instead of pawning it off on countries that don't care about the environment like we do. I am an environmentalist. I'm just not an activist in it. I'm a, I'm a realist in what should and what can be done. Coming up, we are going to talk about the border. The Secretary of Homeland Security says they are not responsible. We'll talk about why they are next.